Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today, our gospel lesson, we hear again these words of Jesus. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So far our reading. One of the many unanticipated but greatly appreciated blessings that that I've experienced over the years here at St. Lawrence has been the opportunity to visit many places that I never ever would have dreamed I'd get to see. Over the years I've established the habit, as I know many people have, of bringing home something to remind me of my visit. Some of my favorite mementos are wood carvings, like this nativity set from Ghana in West Africa, or this one purchased in Bethlehem. And one of my all-time favorite mementos, one of two, is also a carving and was also purchased in Bethlehem, that's of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Well, I love olive wood carving, so that's one thing, but, but there's other reasons why this one is so special to me. For, for one thing, partly it's, it's because it's hand-carved, so that's pretty neat, but mostly it's because it's such a compelling image. Jesus cradling in his arms a, a precious little lamb, holding it close to his heart where it's loved and warm and safe. Someone should, someone should write a children's song about that. Oh, wait. Somebody already did. Maybe you'd like to sing it with me. I am Jesus, little lamb, ever glad at heart I am. For my shepherd gently guides me, knows my need and well provides me loves me every day the same, even calls me by my name. Well, now that I've planted that song in your head where it's going to rattle around probably for the rest of the sermon, it's okay, because really that's what the sermon is about. Let's take a minute to explain some of the cultural background to some of Jesus' words. For instance, the sentence uh, that we read earlier, he calls his own sheep by name and, and leads them out. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. Of course, we understand what that means, don't we? But I think the meaning can be even clearer for us when we hear how Palestinian shepherds then and, and, and quite often still today gathered their flocks. One Bible commentator tells us in these words, Early one morning, I saw an extraordinary sight not far from Bethlehem. Two shepherds had evidently spent the night with their flocks in a cave. The sheep were all mixed together, and the time had come for the shepherds to go in different directions. One of the shepherds stood some distance from the sheep and began to call. First one, then another, then four or five animals ran towards him, and so on until he had counted his whole flock. That same author, a little bit uh, later, explains to us what Jesus might have meant 
when he described himself as the door of the sheep. He relates this story. A man was one day traveling with a guide and came across a shepherd and his sheep. He fell into conversation with him. The shepherd showed him the fold into which the sheep were led at night. It consisted of four walls with a way in. Sir George, that's the traveler, said to the shepherd, that's where they go at night? Yes, said the shepherd, and when they are in there, they are perfectly safe. But there is no door, said Sir George. I am the door, said the shepherd. He was not a Christian man. He was not speaking the language of the New Testament. He was speaking from the Arab shepherd's standpoint. Sir George looked at him and said, What do you mean by the door? Said the shepherd, When the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in that open space. And no sheep ever goes out but across my body, and no wolf comes in unless he cross my body. I am the door. Well, with that background, let's turn to our sermon outline and and think about what it means that, that we are the shepherd's sheep, meaning that we are both fed and led by him. First, let's say that, that we are, are fed by him because he cares for us. And I'm going to contrast that with the second blank in your sermon outline, which is because he loves us. Now, it might seem as if that's two ways of saying the same thing, and sometimes it is, but there can also be a difference. Because any shepherd can take care of the needs of his flock. But only a good shepherd does so because he loves the sheep. That's Jesus. He feeds us. Not because it's his job, but because it's his joy. Because he loves us. Because he loves us, he feeds us. Which brings us to my all-time favorite carving, this crucifix, which hangs on the wall in my office where where I can look at it every time I look up from my desk as, as a reminder of the Savior's amazing, incredible love. It was love that placed Jesus on the cross, not the Romans, not the Jewish leaders. It was love that held Jesus to the cross, not the ropes, not the nails. It was simply love and nothing else. Love that causes him still to feed us and to lead us. The shepherd's sheep are both fed and led. And we love the 23rd Psalm for that, don't we? It tells us how, how he leads us into to green pastures and beside still waters. It's, it's a wonderful picture. Pleasant, peaceful, serene. But you know, Psalm 23 also tells us something else. And, and that is that there are times where the shepherd's sheep are led places where we might not want to go. Like the valley of the shadow of death. 
or maybe even in paths of righteousness because sometimes that's a pretty difficult way to go. But our text tells us that the shepherd goes on ahead of the sheep who follow him because they know his voice. That means they trust him. They don't always know where he's leading them. But still they follow him because they trust him. How about us? From the Bible, we know Jesus' voice. Do we trust it? Do we trust him? Well, when he offers words of comfort, absolutely. But how about when he leads us into a time of suffering, as Peter talks about in today's epistle lesson? Or when his voice calls us to service, to sacrifice for him and and for the sake of his kingdom? In other words, when he leads us to care for others, and to share with others. It's kind of two sides of the same coin, isn't it? When we care, then we share. That was certainly the attitude of the early Christians. Their response to the resurrection of Jesus is recorded in the first lesson, where we we discovered that they were led to do, well, some pretty strange things. Let's let's take a look at that. We're told they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. There's all kinds of things going on in just in that one verse, and sometimes we focus on one of those things, sometimes we focus on the other. I don't think too often we focus on the word fellowship, though. And fellowship here doesn't mean coffee and cookies and, and conversation. This is the fellowship. This was the community of believers, a community that that shared a common faith in Jesus as the Savior and a common purpose of, of showing the love of the Savior in any way that we could. And they were devoted to that fellowship, to that community. So devoted, in fact, that look what they did. All the believers were together and and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. There were two results to that as they were selling their possessions and giving uh, to everyone who had need. One of those was that there really wasn't any need anymore. And so as they got together, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, that's an amazing sentence worth, we're spending a lot of time on. We'll try not to do that this morning. But they received their, who's they? Isn't it all of the believers, as, as Luke tells us earlier? All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. And all the believers received their food with glad and generous heart. Those believers who had sold their possessions and, and had given food, to others as well as those who had received that food from those who had sold their possessions. And there was no distinction between them. Sometimes there, there can be in such cases, can't there? And if, and if um, I guess unless we've ever been in a, in a position where we've, where we've had to receive charity, we probably don't understand the even humiliation that can accompany that. But, but there was none of that then. 
No, they received those who, who were given food. They received it with glad hearts. And so did those who, who gave that food. They also received their food with glad hearts. They, they didn't have to hide it or, or hoard it. They didn't have to feel guilty because they had a lot and, and others had little. And those who received it as a gift didn't have to feel guilty because they hadn't earned it but had been given it. No, they could simply enjoy it. All of them together. They received their food with glad hearts. And with generous hearts. Again, all of them. From what they had, they gave. That's what generosity does. I think it can be helpful to, to think about generosity in, in a certain way. So maybe this example will help. It's also a heads up, guys. Next week is uh, Mother's Day. So suppose next week I handed my wife a, a beautiful card, said, Happy Mother's Day, Karen, and, and in that card was a $10 bill. Would that be a generous action on my part? No, I wouldn't have to dig very deep at all to come up with 10 bucks. But suppose our... Our cute little granddaughter, Maddie, handed Grammy that same card with a $10 bill in it. Would that be a generous action on her part? Absolutely. That'd be pretty much all the money that she had in the world. You see, generosity, at least in, in one way, is measured not by what we give to others, but by what we keep for ourselves. By, by what we keep, not by what we give. There's an interesting connection between glad hearts and, and generous hearts because glad heart, generosity flows from, from glad hearts. But by the same token, generosity also further gladdens our hearts as we're able to share with others. And it gladdens not only our hearts, but also the hearts of others. You see how that worked out then, that the, the early Christians had favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And that's a natural lead-in to what we're doing this weekend in this service as we honor Lynn as she retires from a full-time ministry and, and we thank her for her many years of service here at St. Lawrence and, and other places as well, and also as, as we recognize other anniversarians from our, from our school and our church staff. Lynn and our anniversarians and, and, and all of these individuals who are seated here today could tell you a thing or two, could tell us a thing or two about living generously, about being led into lives of, of service and sacrifice because they've made more than just a few of those sacrifices on behalf of their students and, and our members. Oh, oh yeah, they could tell us a lot about sacrifice, but they won't because they don't want to call attention to themselves, which is okay because I get to do that. So, so I can tell you that these people seated here, I can tell you that they do what they do with glad and generous hearts. Just as God's people at all times and in all places have always done. Going all the way back to those first Christians. And you know they weren't eager to, to shine the spotlight on themselves either. But they didn't have to. 
Because what they were doing was so strange and, and it was so wonderful that others could not help but notice. The same is true today for each of us. For every Christian who is fed by our Good Shepherd and, and who is led to a life of service and sacrifice. That's what we do. Because we're the shepherd's sheep. The good shepherd who feeds us and leads us. In his name, amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.